the Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, it's one of those mornings. I had a whole sermon prepared for you. And then um, I got up and God said, nope, I want you to scrap that one. There's something else you need to say. So I'm speaking from the heart this morning, what God seems to have put on my heart, the things that I don't really want to talk about. I am seeing a spirit of fear, a spirit of worry, a spirit of isolation. I am seeing a spirit of judgment, of rebellion, of destruction. This is not the spirit of God. It is evil. It seeks to tear us apart. Even before the events of this week, I saw it at work. I've seen it in the way the media talk about the pandemic by either minimizing the risks or blowing it completely out of proportion, fostering divisions among us. The result is either complete carelessness or an obsessive need to feel like we're in control. One minute people are saying, oh, COVID is just a hoax, uh, it's nothing. The next minute you're gonna hear that it's gonna take over the whole world and it's gonna kill all of us. My brother Daniel's family has been holed up in their house in the Seattle area since the middle of February. They haven't gone outside except once and that was last weekend and then they went to a remote place. But they have been hunkered down in their home. Last week, my tw the twins, my niece and nephew, had their 10th birthday, and so Ed and I sent them gifts via Amazon, because what else do you do, right? And I was so excited because I thought the packages were going to arrive just a couple of days after their birthday and not too late. And then I found out yesterday the kids still had not even been able to open the cartons that the presents were in because Daniel has a policy that you can't touch any packages coming into the house for four entire days. I touch at least four packages from Amazon every day. So I think he's a little bit uptight, but that's his right. In reality, we're learning that less than 1% of the people who come down with COVID-19 are gonna die from it. But if you're part of that 1%, that's bad. You've heard that we have to enact and enforce all these rules and to completely shut down all commerce in order to save the world. 
And the U.S. could see, what, 400,000 deaths from this in the next year, you know, between now and January, if the deaths keep up at the same pace they did in the first quarter. And you've also heard about the suffering and that the shutting down of the economy causes. Many more than 400,000 people have lost their jobs. Many thousands are going bankrupt. Some are potentially finding themselves homeless. Families are suffering from more domestic violence being cooped up together. There's more depression and more anxiety with the isolation. Products are not getting made. Things aren't getting distributed to our shelves. And we have to ask ourselves, is it fair to demand the long-term suffering of millions in order to save the lives of 400,000? And then in the meantime, there's still a lot of other things that we can die of. Ultimately, we can't hide from death as much as we would like to, which doesn't mean I'm telling you to go outside or that you should feel bad if you don't choose to go outside. I'm just trying to put it all back in balance. We're becoming more and more divided. We are turning against one another. We are casting blame and shame upon people in our communities. We are hunting down a nurse who was seen in a pub and seeking to destroy her career over it. We have vilified adults who chose to take the risk of gathering at parties at Lake of the Ozarks and accused them of being completely devoid of compassion. We've even gone so far as to say they don't give a damn about their parents and their grandparents. And who are we to judge that? At one extreme, you can see the, you can't tell me what to do and I, I'm not gonna be inconvenienced on account of you, uh, of you kind of a mindset. These people are convinced perhaps that there's a great conspiracy afoot and that we're all out to take their freedom from them and their individual rights and they're mad about that. But equally destructive is the self-righteous and sanctimonious mindset that wants to police everybody else. These are the ones who are fixated on everyone who doesn't wear a mask who spend their energy noting every person who fails to stand six feet away from the others, who would like to run around town with a measuring stick as a self-appointed social distance enforcement agent. These folks are convinced that they can know the motives of those who do not comply to their standards. Guilty, they cry and then they are mad. But you'll also see them at the hair salon or at the barber shop paying somebody to stand for an hour within one foot of them. We all make and live with our choices. And then now as if COVID wasn't enough to rip us apart, it seems there is racism again. And the video of a white woman in Central Park, a woman who is crying that a peaceful bird watcher who happens to be black is somehow attacking her and he is in fact not. And then there's the disturbing death of George Floyd arrested in, by the Minneapolis police because he is a forgerer 
But the police knelt on his neck and caused him to suffocate. Another tragic case of bad ju judgment and poor technique on the part of law enforcement. But the reality is that the great majority of our police officers do their jobs with great integrity and grace under pressure. When things go bad, they go very bad. And more often than not, it involves the death of someone who is black. So there is fear and mistrust and division and isolation among us. My sister Jenny lives in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. My phone started lighting up in the middle of the night with text messages. After a day, a very peaceful protest in Charleston where thousands of, at least a thousand people had gathered and, and uh, the public squares and a very peaceful demonstration, those protesters went home and then the riots broke out. About a hundred people, a lot of people say they aren't even from Charleston, apparently decided it was a good opportunity to uh, begin sacking the historic downtown area and causing so much terror that people in restaurants fled, leaving their dinner sitting there on the table. So my sister Jenny had her two little girls under the age of four squirreled away in the very back of her house with all of her lights turned off, praying because she was fearful that bullets might come through the walls or some group might decide to set fire to her home. Now, my sister is a very bold and fearless woman, but it was scary on, in Charleston last night. This is not about justice. It's not about solidarity. It's not about standing up for anybody's rights. This is just about destruction and hatred and a chance to blow off steam and cause trouble. And these are not new things in our world. They really are not. In fact, in our gospel reading today, the disciples are hiding in the back of a house in a, door, in a room with all the doors locked because they are afraid. They have a spirit of fear because they have witnessed the violence, once again, of crucifixion. They have seen Jesus, the Messiah, an innocent man, the Son of God, killed. And when Luke tells the story of Pentecost, he says they've been locked in that room for 50 days, which is where the Penta comes from, 50 days. Those of you who've been staying in your houses for the last few months know what that feels like. I have not stayed home. John tells it differently. John tells, it, uh, tells us that it was evening on that day, on the first day of the week, and he's talking about Easter. Just this morning, John tells us, the women have gone to found it empty that Jesus was risen, that the women were informed that Jesus was not there because he had been raised. And now it is evening on that day and everyone is locked in a room and Jesus comes and stands among them. He doesn't even touch the locked door and he appears to them and the first thing he says to them is, peace be with you, peace be with you. Jesus says to them, peace be with you, and as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
God's people are not destined to live in fear. We are not. We have been given a spirit of peace. It has been breathed into us by Jesus himself, handed down to us. It is our gift in baptism. It is a spirit of peace, a spirit of love, a spirit of faith. Unlike the ungodly spirits of this world, the Holy Spirit unites us. It makes us one. It, it does for us and makes us the same as Jesus is with the Creator. We cannot live in Christ and live for ourselves alone. We cannot live in Christ and at the same time have a spirit of judgment. We are as interdependent as the parts of our bodies. What affects the heart affects the lungs. We need one another. We need one another for each one of us. Every single one of us has been given gifts by God that are essential for our life. Now there are varieties of gifts, Paul says, but the same spirit and there are varieties of services, but there is the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates them all in everyone. To each of us is given the I'm sorry, manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, Paul writes. For the common good, not just for our own benefit, not for our own self-interest, but for the benefit of others. We have each been given these various gifts, and it is our responsibility to discover and to use these gifts for the sake of the world. That is the mission to which we are called. That is the mission for which we have been empowered. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives us just a few examples. It's not an exhaustive list, but a list of some of the many ways that God has called and equipped us. Paul says we have the utterance of wisdom. We have the utterance of knowledge. Those are spoken things. They're uttered so that other people can benefit from them. We have faith and the gifts of healing, works of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirit, spirits, various kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. In another place, in the fifth chapter of Galatians, Paul gives us another list of the works of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. The Spirit has come to mark the church, every member of the church, as belonging to God and as God's agents in the world. We have received the Spirit of Christ in our baptism. And it is likely also been spilled out on people out there who have not been baptized. Would that God give it to everyone, that all the people of the earth would be filled with peace and kindness and gentleness and patience and wisdom and understanding and forgiveness and love, if only 
But first, we who have been assured that we have received this precious gift need to remember to use it. We need to remember that there are ungodly spirits in this world that would tear us apart. And then remember that we have a spirit from God which is more powerful than all of those spirits that roam the earth. We have a spirit that binds us together. We have a spirit of faith, a spirit of trust, a spirit that leads us into abundant and everlasting life. We have Jesus who finds us and who comes to us in spite of our locked doors who comes to us with a word from God, who says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We get to become God's messengers of healing and love in the world. Into all the words that we are hearing, we get to go out to speak a word of peace. We get to go into the world with faith, not fear. We get to go into the world with trust, not control. We get to go into the world with compassion and understanding, not blame or shame. We go forth into the world with gentleness, not rage. And when we encounter hate, we answer it with love. Amen. <laughs>